Hey, good to see all of you. And um, first, I just wanted to um, thank our worship team guys. Man, they sound so good, and uh, they do such a good job. So let's give them just a hand of encouragement. Thank you so much, guys. Um, and uh, it's I get a little jealous when people who do things well, you know, they do it well, and it looks so easy. Uh, but, man, they do such a great job. So thank you so much. Um, I've shared this before, um, but I, I, you know, some of you who've been here for a while, you've heard me share the story about how I came to Christ. Uh, just briefly, though, you know, it was when I turned 19, sophomore in college, um, my brother ended up buying me a Bible for my 19th birthday, and it was a big, thick, red leather Bible with a bunch of notes, and hey, you, you guys remember those, and he engraved my name on it and all this, and I remember getting this on my 19th birthday, um, and then I went and found out that it was like $80 or $75. It was expensive. And so before that, I would lose Bibles all the time. I'd go to church and just lose it and whatever. And so I was like, wow, you know, my brother has never spent this amount of money for me, you know. So uh, he bought me this Bible, and I started reading this. Only because it was um, like $75, so I said, i got to put it to use because it's so expensive. So I started reading like a chapter or two each day. And, um, you know, within a year, it wasn't like an overnight thing. It wasn't that the, the Lord appeared to me or spoke to me in a dream or anything. Without even noticing, my life had just completely changed within a year. Um, the things that I enjoyed, the, the, the goals that I had. And by the end of it and by my third year, I was like, man, I wanted to go into ministry. And uh, it was a shock to everyone who was close to me. Um, especially my mom. She's like, you, you're the last person who should go into ministry, you know, and I know all your faults, and, um, and you know, when your mom says that, I was like, wow, you know, and, uh, uh, but in spite of that, right, and uh, it was a calling, but it, it changed my life, and I share that with you as we go into this passage today, as you read the title, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you know, this is about taking in God's word. Why was you taking God's word? Um, what it does for us, how it changes us. Um, we get to this wonderful passage here, and what we see here is that we have to take care of, we see a pattern in verse 15 and 16. Um, what comes into our heart, right? So the peace of Christ dwelling, a ruling in our hearts, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. This idea of what we take in, will determine the fruit that will uh, appear in our lives. And so church isn't about your behavior. Uh, it isn't about what are you doing right and how are you dressing the church and what are you doing, what are you saying, but it is about taking in the gospel, the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and letting that just change us naturally. And so we believe firmly that this is the power of God. The word of God is the power that changes us and the, the Bible talks about the Word of God. The prophets talk about this. Uh, the New Testament authors talk about this. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 29, for example, says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And this idea of power, it's going to come. It doesn't matter how hardened someone's heart is or how big the enemy is. The Word of God will accomplish what it is here for. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
piercing into the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrows, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It's talking about the power for it to get into us, to get into the depths of us. And it has that power. And so today, as we gather here, we're going to think about the word of God. We're going to read about the word of God and how we should let it rule our lives. You know, um, Paul here writes to the church in Colossae and speaks about letting this truth, letting the word of Christ, letting this be central. Because um, in those days, there was a, in that area, a heresy or a false teaching that was going around. Um, kind of a mystical teaching of angels. And so there was almost like an angel worship. And one scholar talks about the uh, central feature of the l- local uh, folk um, belief was to call on angels for help. And so people would wear kind of like charms, magical stones, and they would wear them around and it would have the names of angels, uh, Michael, Gabriel, Oriel, uh, Raphael, and they would wear this around and they would pray to the angels. And they would, it was like kind of like good luck charms, but more than that, and they believed this. And you can imagine now if someone who has that belief comes into the church and is telling people in the church, no, well, you need to pray to God, but you know, more importantly is this charm that you're wearing. More importantly is that you pray to the right angel at the right time. And so this false teaching was going into the church, and he comes out and he says, you need to get rid of this. Um, and we see this just in context in Colossians 2, 18 um, let no one disqualify insisting on uh, asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. So see, it's all about these angels and let's talk about Christ. He's the one. And so we come here to discuss Christ and the way to do this. And he tells the church in Colossae is you got to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Not the words of some teacher or some quote-unquote prophet or someone who's talking about angels, but we need the words of Christ to dwell in us richly. Um, First of all, this word, uh, it says here in verse 16, let the word of Christ. It's interesting, a lot of times in the Bible it says the word of God, but here there's a little bit of a uh, distinguishing feature, word of Christ, it says. Um, Can we argue it's the same thing? Yeah, we could say it's the same thing. But also, one scholar uh, writes in his commentary that this doesn't mean just the, the Bible, the word of Christ, but it's words about Christ. So it's talking about like sermons and teachings, words about Christ, the preached word, as well as the written word that we read. Let that dwell in you. And so as we gather here, there is a tremendous amount of responsibility for the preacher to preach the words about Christ and for the church to respond to the words of Christ. So this is more than just you go by yourself and have a good quiet time, a personal time. Those are very important times. But as a group, as a congregation, as a church, that we focus on the words of Christ, the messages has to be about the words, have to be about the words of Christ. We have to walk away thinking about the words of Christ. And so that is so, so important. It says, let it dwell in you, the first part. Let it dwell. And I love the ESV that it uses that word dwell. Uh, this word dwell that's translated there, it's a word to inhabit, to dwell. It comes from the root word oikos, 
right? Um, there's a yogurt named after that, right? And oikos, it's a Greek word. It means family, home. Um, so like the home you grew up in, uh, your family determines your home. It's kind of this homey idea. And so what it's saying is let the word of Christ be at home in you. Don't treat it like it's a visitor. It's very different, isn't it? When you go away and you go to a hotel or Airbnb or whatever it is, you go away, it's still not as comfortable as home. You know, you can go to a four-star, five-star, whatever it is, and you say, boy, this is fancy. You know, and you go to a hotel room and you say, boy, it's nice, but it's never like being at home. You know, when I go to the hotel, like, you don't know where the light switches are, first of all, so you're, you know, fiddling around in the dark. Um, the bathroom and the layout of the room, you don't know exactly where to go in the middle of the night. And one of my little biggest kind of pet peeves is you don't know what channel everything is on, right? So you just got to go up, 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 up. Oh, there was ESPN, up, 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 up. What channel was it? Down, 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 down. You know, and you're doing this, and by the time you kind of figure it out, you're done. So when you go home, it's called home because you spend time there. It's called home because you are familiar with this place. It's at home. You hang pictures of your loved ones in your home. You decorate it. You care about it. You take care of it. The visitor, the guest, is someone who goes to a place and says, I stay there for a little bit. So the idea here is let the word of God, let the words of Christ dwell in you like a resident. Let your hearts and your minds be a home to the word of God. Don't be a hotel. Don't let it come in for a little bit, but you got to go. Uh, don't spend just a little bit of time here. Checkout is here. I got other things to preoccupy. We have a guest coming in next. You have to go at 11. is checkout. No, let it just dwell in us is the idea. Obviously, that happens through repetition. It happens through a lifestyle. Letting this be a part of my everyday life. It must be at home in us. I love what uh, Augustine says. He says that the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. There are letters from home, and they de deserve to be at home. Let it dwell in us. And also, Paul here uses this word to describe how it should dwell. It said it should dwell richly in us. In verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Already by saying let it dwell, it's already assuming it's going to be a rich presence. But he says let it really dwell in you. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Don't be cheap with this. Don't spare on this. It is... Um, N.T. Wright in his commentary on this passage says that the church is to be stocked with good teaching as a palace is filled with the treasures. You know, we gather like this at times like this. Um, it's not saying that it has to be long. It has to be, sometimes we get long or um, we get complex mixed up with it being biblical at times. We say, boy, that was biblical because it was long and complicated, so that was deep. Um, I didn't understand it, but that was deep. No, uh, good teachers or good preachers make difficult things simple, uh, but the idea of it being in us richly means it rules our lives. It rules our children's lives. It rules the decisions we make and how we think and how we talk. It, it rules us in this way. 
And so it has to dwell in us in a rich manner in this way. In order for that to happen, it has to be, it tells us, uh, there has to be teaching and admonishing. So someone has to teach this. So already here in this uh, context, this is an assumption of a group setting. You don't have a teacher by himself teaching to himself, but the idea of there are some people teaching the word of God, there are some people listening to the word of God, admonishing um, is to take something and to put it in your mind, right? It's to help someone else to believe this. And so there's, by those two words, that means that, okay, there is the spoken word, there is the preaching of God's word, but also we have to listen to God's word. Um, if, if you grew up, you know, in the church, and sometimes uh, you think back 20 years ago, even 30 years ago, uh, you think back of how people treated the word. And I remember people would think everything that the pastor said was the direct word of God, and they wasn't questioning, you know. And I, I, I was talking to someone now. I said, nowadays, you tell a story or you tell a, something, and people, they'll kind of Google it, like, oh, they want to know. It's not that they don't trust you, but they always just want to know, oh, wow, where did he uh, read that? And that's kind of interesting. Uh, but sometimes our, our approach to it um, can be that of someone who's not as teachable. So you hear sometimes someone say, well, I came to this place and um, I haven't learned anything novel, nothing new. I knew it all already. I'm not being fed. I'm not growing. Um, the gathering of the church and the preaching of the word is not so that we learn something novel and new every single time. Often it is a reminder. Often it is for us to keep changing because the word of God is living and active. So Pastor Jen announced we're doing Ephesians. I'm sure a lot of you have said, I've read Ephesians already. Good book. Two, chapter 2, 8 and 9, man, my life verse, you know. I love it. It's good. Um, so I guess uh, I'm done with that. I don't need to go to that class. No, we want you to come and study. We want you to come out. I know everyone, Wednesday night, middle of the week, you got practices and you got things to do. Boy, if you could have some time to go to the gym or whatever it is, you need to go to Costco and pick up. I know it is all hectic for everyone. And yet it is that much more important for us to spend some time to teach and also admonish or to hear the word of God and to let it come in. The word of God will only make an impact of those who are willing to listen. So we have to approach this. We have to humbly come before this book, before the messages about Christ and say, what, what do you want me to do? Not, what am I going to learn something new But What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? And we have to approach it in this way. You know, it is John Stott who says it so well. He says, we must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. It has to rock our thoughts regularly. It has to correct us when we're going in the wrong direction. And so it applies us, you know, uh, our community groups, we sit around and we talk about the week's sermon, the past week's sermon. You know, I'm in a group. Uh, it's interesting, the first week that our group leader found out I was in the group, he wasn't too happy about it. You know, he was like, what did I do? You know, is this, am I in trouble? It was kind of that thought. And we're like, oh, it's funny. But um, he was like, oh, this is really difficult because 
Now I have to really pay attention to your sermons because you're in here um, and we're going to be talking about your sermons. Well, after a few times, he realized sometimes I have forgotten my own sermons by, by Friday. So he has full confidence that, um, so he's, you know, sharing and he does a wonderful job. Um, and we have a great time. But we sit around and we talk and we share. And sometimes there's awkward moments. You know, someone always talks too much. Someone never talks. You know, it's kind of awkward. Someone goes on a tangent all the time. Uh, these are all things that we in small groups, we all, but, but it's, there's something about that, right? And please, please, don't, don't, don't like, oh, yeah, that's uh, so-and-so, you know, don't do that. Or, honey, that's you. Don't do that, all right? It's okay. This is a space to do this. But this is a time when we think about meditation on the word of God. Yeah, uh, the word meditation, it's to repeat the word within us. But really, a practical way to repeat it is to sit and talk about it with others, and say, yeah, hey, have you been kind to someone? Hey, have you, how has your patience been? And some of us had those discussions. Oh, man, yeah, I'm working on it. I need to really work on it with my work people, you know, and I need to really watch how I talk to my kids. And, you know, we're talking about this, and it's a form of meditation. It's a form of us learning and changing and growing in this way. You know, uh, one of the uh, guys in our group was sharing how he's seen his dad, who uh, passed away now, but uh, in the latter parts of his latter years, um, change as he'd become a Christian. That he was a harsh man, an aloof person, and, and so on and so forth, but he had become so much more loving and affectionate in his latter years as he had come to Christ. And he has seen these changes. You know, this is what happens. We are called to keep learning, to keep growing you know, the lessons aren't for the little ones. You know, they're sitting in there. You're, you're hoping, boy, they teach them something good. No, the lessons for all of us. The more we mature, the more we grow. And so we are called in this way. But the word of God is to be taught. It is to be learned. It is to be taken in. You know, there's a, a writer, uh, Benita Rendell Reisner. Um, and she writes a wonderful blog, um, and I was reading some of her writings. She talked about how she grew up. Um, and when she had grown up, she talks about her teen years to her 20s, it was all success. She graduated valedictorian. She got accepted to every college she applied to. Everyone accepted her. And after that, she got in, and then she graduated, and she got a job at a very well-established uh, and prominent financial institution, was making a lot more money than a lot of her peers, was doing well, ended up getting her MBA at some very prestigious school, met her husband at business school there, ended up getting married, had a child, devoted her life as a mother. And she talked about how all she did was cook and scrapbook and take care of their baby and their house was perfect and life was really a success. She was a successful mom now. She had transitioned. And then she hits her mid-40s and her life starts to fall apart. Her husband uh, leaves her for someone else. Uh, her children now, who uh, are not, they're now growing up, decide to abandon God and no longer follow in her faith. And she talks about her home, which was a place of love and comfort being this chaotic place, a scary, lonely place. 
And then she uh, gets diagnosed with uh, post-polio. Her muscles and her arms were just weakened to the point she couldn't scrapbook or cook or have people over to do anything. And now all of her energy and attention is going to just her physical well-being. And she talks about the days of what that's like. And there's one particular day that I read about. And she says she woke up in the morning and she just felt tears welling up cried so much that her whole pillow was wet and she was hearing these voices in her mind telling her your life is miserable, you're a burden, you can't do anything for yourself. And she said she needed to stop that and she somehow got out of bed, put on a robe and got down to pray. And as she was praying, she goes and she opens the word of God and she's reading the word of God out of desperation. And I quote what she says, and she says it in such a powerful way. She says, please, God, help me. Show me your truth was my only cry. I could not muster anything more. I just sat in the semi-darkness praying, and then I opened my Bible and started reading. She says this, without God's word, I would start interpreting life on my own, by my experiences, my feelings, my finite perspective. I knew that his word was the only place to find truth. If I judge life by my despair, my pain, my circumstances, I will always live life skewed. I will judge everything by what I see. But life is so much more than what I can see. There is a reality that goes far beyond my experience. I love that. Because life comes at us, and we, she says, I would start interpreting life on my own, by my own experiences, my feelings, my finite perspective. The more we read the word of God, and I've heard this illustration from a, a retired pastor. He says, the more we read the word of God, he's saying it's your perspective of life is like you're climbing a hill, climbing a mountain. And he says, boy, if you just are not really in it, all you see is from the foot of the hill and everything looks so close and everything looks so dirty there's no view to enjoy but the more you read God's word it's like you're climbing up this mountain and the higher you get you see the whole picture not only do you see the whole picture everything is now beautiful I want to encourage you have your uh, to have your time and we today inundated with conveniences we could listen to this we could put it on our tablets and our phones we are apps to now do it in different translations there are sermons by uh, wonderful pastors uh, living and, and 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 passed away they're all over the place but we would let the word of god dwell in you richly don't we need that? The news around us is often very discouraging and it gets us off focus. And sometimes that news is preaching to us. Your life doesn't matter. Look at the unsuccessful life you're living. Boy, what are you going to do? Look at them compared to you. And as those now voices creep up, we need the word of God to tell us we are who we are because of Christ. We have what we have in him. He calls us his beloved. And that is good enough for me. And so I want to encourage us all 
before we work on the resolutions of patience and kindness and all the wonderful things, that this would be digested in the depths of our souls. And then the fruit would be made manifest through what God's word will do. But let's spend some time. Give your best time to the Lord, whatever you need to do, and let's spend some time taking in God's word together. Let's pray.